This is Sean Glass with John Thorne, the founder of Wrapped in Plastic, the the best and as far as I know, the first legit fanzine for, I mean, th- there wouldn't have been anything worth doing it for before Twin Peaks existed. So, of course, this was the first fanzine and it was awesome. And I have all the... I have all the issues that you can get without like those crazy expensive ones that, you know, I'm sure you have a few, you, you have all of them, right? I, I have multiple copies of all the issues. Yes, indeed. What a lucky guy. I mean, you created it, but you know, those are, <laughs> it, it, helped, it helps to have been, yeah, there when it came back from the printer. So, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I uh, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, thank you for doing it. It's, it was, I mean, uh, did you know what it would turn into? Not just, not, I don't just mean the magazine, but the whole world that we exist in, in now. Uh, well, in terms of Twin Peaks? Um, the family, the community, the, the yeah. festivals, the gather, everything. Sure. I, well, you know, uh, first of all, I do want to make sure that I mention Craig Miller, who was my co-producer with the magazine. And, you know, without Craig, there really wouldn't have been um, a magazine. He approached me, in fact, to see if I wanted to do this magazine. And, of course, I said yes. Uh, he had some experience in um, self-publishing some comic books and stuff like that. And so uh, he, he really got the ball rolling. Uh, and then, yeah, we started it. Um, we tried to come out in 1991. Uh, right after the series ended and, and we ran into a few uh, just obstacles uh, and once we got everything ironed out, it took about a year and we knew what we wanted to do and how we were going to do it. So in 1992, we had our first issue come out and we shortly after the film Firewalk With Me had uh, come out in theaters. And, uh, you know, we, we really didn't know. I think Craig was of the mind that maybe we'd do one, maybe two issues and, um, and we'd see what happened. We didn't know if there was any interest in Twin Peaks uh, to, to support a magazine. Um, we knew that there was a festival that was <laughs> that was starting up in in um, in Washington State, and we we went up there in '93 uh, to the first a fan run festival, and you know, we got a sense yeah that there was a real strong fan base, uh, very small but strong. And uh, the magazine sold well, and we just kept doing it, and we kept doing it, and we did it for 13 years. So um, wow. it, uh, it, I think it took us by surprise uh, uh, that it was successful, and it certainly took us by surprise as time went along. We were able to get uh, a hold of so many of the creative people involved with the show, right. including Mark Frost and David Lynch, which was yeah. you know, just, uh, just a remarkable experience. So uh, over the years, when did, you know, what was, was it, were there moments when it grew? Cause, cause by, you know, over 13 years and then over another, you know, 13, actually, yeah, it's, it's exactly that. It was 13 years plus, plus 12 yeah. probably until 2017. W- were there, what were like the points on the timeline where, as you describe, okay, you went to the first one and there was a small following and you, you know, maybe it was going to keep going. You don't know. W- when did it become this? behemoth this really really tight-knit and gigantic family uh how you know never heard it called a behemoth before um the twin peaks are uh, are legion the twin peaks fans are all over the world they're massive i mean it's amazing you know 
Right. And, and I must say that did surprise me as we went along um, with the magazine. We, we got right. um, started getting distributed through Tower Records, which was which was a successful record uh, uh, music store in the 90s. It's not around anymore, but they had a huge magazine section and they Except had stores in Japan, in, in Europe and they had in Japan in South Africa. We would start getting I remember getting letters from Israel, from Japan, from wow. South Africa, from Spain, from France, from Germany. Uh, and we knew then that there was a hunger for uh, this uh, connection among uh, Twin Peaks fans. And at the time we were doing this was the early mid 90s. There really wasn't the Internet uh, the, the connection that everyone has now through social media. It was hard None to quantify so, how people cared. Yeah. It, I mean, it, 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 well, I think we were, we were kind of the locus. We were the center. Right. Um, I mean, I don't want to give us too much credit. Obviously there was the festival too, which was a huge draw for, uh, well, it only ever really had about 200 people uh, per year, but that's simply because that's really, I think, all that they could manage. Uh, I suppose the festival could have been even bigger had they found ways to uh, to expand it, but I can't speak for them. Um, uh, the magazine, so the magazine was successful, but it never, it never really, it, it sort of plateaued at a certain point. We had a regular fan base. We had a devoted Twin Peaks fan base that subscribed and bought it off newsstands. And so we, um, you know, we were able to maintain that for a while. And ironically, I think to answer your question, it was sort of the internet, uh, the World Wide web, the, the, you know, the advent of, of social media that um, ultimately kind of uh, brought us to a close with the magazine because we couldn't compete with everybody getting online and getting all their news and sharing their stories mm -hmm. and their pictures. And so um, I actually think the growth that you may be referring to um, actually happened after the magazine. Um, and that's okay. because there was this way for people to, to get on and share. And most importantly, um, Twin Peaks became more accessible to people who wanted to watch it um, for many years. To I had to track down Twin the VHS Peaks tapes for a long time. You know. I had to track down the tapes or the DVDs, and even then they were incomplete. Oftentimes right. the early releases did not contain the pilot, which was you know the opening chapter in Twin Peaks. So it was hard to get into it until the turn of the century in the early 2000s. Then... Uh, people were able to 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 get to it uh, and see it, and and I think more fans came to it then, uh, and we were already gone with wrapped in plastic at that point. So, um, but but you know, I mean, I'm so happy that that did happen, and more people came to Twin Peaks uh, as a result of access to it. How, like like so? Did you did you make a lot of friends? through the Twin Peaks, you know, family, like, is that, is how, how much of a, how much has it permeated your life? Oh, I mean, it's totally changed my life. I mean, I, I, it's, you know, it's been 30 years now, I guess. Uh, yeah. 30, it was the 30th yeah, yeah. anniversary of the pilot in, right. in April. Um, cause we didn't start the magazine till two years Couple later, years after, but yeah. I mean, even then, and it was a very social show i mean at work at the time when i was you know we're going to regular work going into an office when everybody gathered around it's a cliche but it's true i mean we would we would go take a lunch break or take a snack break and just talk about the show and 
and huh. and it was so you had so friends at the time who were about. obsessed with it like the you know yes. you had people yeah. you could share oh, your yeah. obsession with that's that's awesome that's right. I'm, I'm younger. And, and when I and, got into it, no one else, I didn't have anyone to share it with. You know, it wasn't, I would read articles like yours, you know, from years back. And that would be my sort of validation of like, oh, this is worth obsessing over. You know, I would flip out over uh -huh. it and it would be cool to find that, you know, I didn't know you until many years later, but there was a time where like just reading, just knowing that wrapped in plastic existed and there's some guy who writes these like long essays on these the minutia of the show and i would eat it up as like a 12 year old you know and and that would sure. be awesome because i wouldn't have anyone to talk to about it so knowing that there's someone who thinks it's worth eight pages was awesome that was really cool for me <laughs> you know well yeah that's great to hear i appreciate you you know sharing that i've had a number of people come up to me quite a number of people over the years at various conventions and shows who've thanked me for you know i, I should mention for people who may not know craig miller uh, passed away a number of years ago so he's he's not here to unfortunately see uh, you know, some of well, the new Twin Peaks and to get some of the reaction that that I've been lucky enough to get from people who, who do come up and say, thank you for doing this magazine. It was a kind mm. of a dry spell there. There wasn't a lot of, of places to go to find out about Twin Peaks and, and the magazine right. was out there. And we had, a, you know, one of my favorite parts of the magazine was the letters page, which, you know, we got letters from all over the place and people had theories and they had photos of their parties and they had, um, you know, just experiences they wanted to share. And um, we were able to connect with so many people through the letters page, which was sort of the primitive, you know, early prehistoric social media uh, for Twin Peaks. Uh, that was a way um, for everyone to kind of connect with like-minded fans did those did, did those letter writers or anything like that did they ever become your writers like how did you so when, when you made this magazine and you know the beginning like how did you go about getting the content for it yeah a number of people would that you know that's very true a number of people would would um submit essays and articles to us they would often write and say are you interested in this idea and that idea and we got many many submissions um we couldn't print them all that we got i mean we were we were trying to to print those that we thought were well written and 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 uh, unique and had something you know that kind of surprised us so uh we would we would often get essays like that and and so yeah uh just fans who were out there um Many of them who were actually very good writers or who were, you know, doing their their graduate work in TV and film and wanted to share their enthusiasm and their study of uh, David Lynch and Twin Peaks. And we would get those essays and, and, and uh, print them. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that happened a number of times. And we were very grateful because there were times where we were unsure uh, how are we going to put together uh, you know the next issue we uh yeah we I mean, put that's out what i issue. was gonna say how, how do you back then like this is this is it sounds very basic but like back in the early 90s you want to you know you and craig decide let's make a magazine how do you go about assembling all the articles for it because you're gonna write some of it but not all of it and and who how did you i i actually like i haven't read them in a while i have them 
like I have them. I'm in Mexico right now. So like I wasn't able to brush up and I don't remember like who were the staff writers and what were the, what was the content of the, I read these, you know, years ago who, who wrote for wrapped in plastic well, I, for really for the most part, honestly, it was Craig and me. I mean, we were the okay. ones who produced a majority of the content. Um, and uh, as I said, we got people who submitted things, um, and those were, again, as I said, we were, were really happy off the top. We put out a magazine every two months for 13, almost 13 years. We, at the very end, we went to a quarterly publication, but just at the very end. So for the most part, we were every two months, we were putting out an issue. And you know, we had about six weeks between six weeks to put an issue together. And then there were two weeks off as it would go to the printer. And, <laughs> wow. and, and we had two weeks to take a break. And then the next six weeks, and we would try to think ahead. And oftentimes we did have somebody submit something. So we knew we had some content or we had an interview, which those were, you know, lifesavers for us. We'd get an yeah, interview with an actor who'd been in the show. We had this good interview. We had it sort of stockpiled. We transcribed it. It was ready to go. And so that would be like the, the foundational piece of the next issue. Um, and so, but Craig and I did a tremendous amount of writing. We, I think we, well, we did an episode, episode guides. We studied the scripts and, uh, we studied every single one, I think of David Lynch's films, uh, and did essays on those. And so we were churning out words. I once did a rough calculation that of the 75 issues of wrapped in plastic, we produced a million words, about Jeez. Lynch and Twin Peaks. Wow. And then the book that came, like, when did that, when, when did that come from? Yeah, the book that I put that together, out? which is, yeah, it's called The Essential Wrapped in Plastic. And I put that out, uh, I came out in 2016 when I had found out, you know, we'd all found out about a year earlier year plus that Twin Peaks was coming back. And I had a number of people asking me, are you going to put the magazine back into publication or are you going to reprint the magazine? Well, Craig had passed away by then and I did not have access to all the files that he had, all the the information that he had. I, I knew Craig's father and I tried to access and get some of, some of the layouts. So maybe there'd be a chance to reprint wrapped in plastic, but it just, it wasn't going to work. And so what I did have was all the text of the essays and articles and episode guides uh, that I wrote. Uh, and, and it just turned out, so happens that I did a, a majority of the Twin Peaks material in Wrapped in Plastic. Craig did a lot of the David Lynch uh, movie reviews. Like he did the Eraserhead, he did the Lost Highway, he did the Wild at Heart essays, but I did the Twin Peaks stuff. And so I had it all and I figured, well, I will just reassemble this polish it up as best I can, maybe add some new material to it and print it in book form. And that's, that's what I did. Uh, that came out, it's called the essential wrapped in plastic and 90 plus percent of it is material from the magazine reformatted for a book. It's, it's a great read. I've read it. It's in my, it's in my library of twin peaks. Uh, all, I, I, I have everything. I, I have all the books, all the, yeah. All the magazines, everything. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, there's and there's quite a bit of good stuff out there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, there's some good writers and some, and, you know, real diehard fans who've put some great material together over the years. What were like? What was the first festival like? What What were early days Twin Peaks festivals like? 
Yeah. Um, well, the first festival was 93, and Craig and I went up uh, to Snoqualmie Falls, uh, Issaquah, North Bend. These were all the little towns. And it, in those days, they really were little towns. They were. They seemed pretty remote from Seattle, even though they were only about 30 minutes east of Seattle. But in, and again, in those days, you drive up into the into the mountains and you felt like you were really far away. Those were the locations where the Twin Peaks pilot had been shot and Firewalk with me had been shot. And uh, that's where they held the festival every year. And we went in 93, which is only a year after uh, Firewalk with me had come out. And the guests that year were Catherine Coulson, the log lady, and Al Strobel, who played the uh, Philip Gerard, and Frank Silva, who played Bob. And I think there might have been a couple of other actors there, but, uh, you know, Frank Silva was there. It's the only time he ever made an appearance at a Twin Peaks festival. And um, we had a chance to. It's amazing visit with him meet with him we did a long interview with him a one-on-one well you know two-on-one it was craig and me and and frank silva in a hotel room and uh and we got to drive him around the town and (laughs) and uh it was it was just an amazing truly amazing experience he was a wonderful man a really unfortunately passed away only a few years later um he uh made an indelible impression on everyone Uh, everyone knows who bob is from twin peaks uh, and so uh, that was a highlight for me was to, to be able to visit with him and, and, uh, get, you know, get a chance to, to learn from him what he had done and how he had done it. Um, and so, yeah, then we went back, I think the following year and we met some more actors, um, Michael J. Anderson, who played the little man. Um, and, uh, and then as the years went by, we, we went and again, we met many, many of the actors who, who were in the show. Um, and those were great times. I mean, they really were. The fans were, you know, so passionate about the show, and everyone was just very friendly with one another, very welcoming. Uh, and the actors were, I mean, every single actor, I don't think I've ever met an actor from Twin Peaks who wasn't just really genuinely grateful for uh, the the fan attention and appreciative of uh, everything that had come their way through Twin Peaks. So it, it was a very comfortable and relaxed experience to go to those festivals. All the cast really, you know, I, I, I was first exposed to it 2017 when, uh, when the new season started, but you know, the cast just, they love it. They, they love being a part of it. They love, the work they love revisiting it like every single one of them it seems yeah i mean that it really i think more than many many times actors that i've spoken with have said that the experience on twin peaks was unlike any other experience they'd had in other television or other film i think Right. A great deal of, of that comes from David Lynch and the way he runs his set and the way he directs his actors and the way he makes them part of their this creative process where they are contributing uh, so much to his to his, his vision. Um, every single one of them uh, has had you know, mentions just what an amazing experience it was to work with David Lynch. And I think he made it very special for them and um you know, it's it's just a rare experience. I'm speaking for them. I I certainly don't know, but again, from talking to them, it, it seems like it was a rare experience to to be in this kind of creative environment with with someone like that. 
Yeah, I mean, they all seem to to say the same things, you know, about about exactly what you just said. They all just seem to glow when talking about it. And, and, and you know, these are a lot of them are, are famous working actors that have been in a million things, but they always come back to to their roles in Twin Peaks. And a lot of them, you know, it's 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 an identity for them. It's it's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, and every one of them. Well, I should say everyone, but I know a great many of them were artists in their own right. Um, right. Um, you know, they did their own kind of. Uh, they acted, which maybe their their maybe their main artistic expression, but so many of them had projects that they did on the side. Um, I think it was um, um, Hank Jennings. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name of the actor, um, who said it was a rock and roll cast. And, uh, you know, actors like Don Davis, who played Major Briggs, he painted. And Richard Beamer, who played Ben Horn, he was a um, photographer. And um, Grace Zabriskie, who played Sarah Palmer, she made these little boxes, this sculpture that she did. And so, um, uh, you know, they all uh, – they were all artists in, in their own right. So um, – uh, it was it was just a, it was a unique Chris Mulkey is the actor's name who played. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hank. Uh, it's called Mulkey, it a rock yeah. and roll cast. Um, yeah. uh, they were, they, they, you know, they just were all people who who just uh, exulted in the art, uh, exulted in the expression of of their, uh, you know, the crea creativity that came from Twin Peaks. I had Scott Ryan on the other day and I was telling oh, him the story. Yeah. yeah uh, and uh, he obviously spoke, you know, glowing of you. Um, I was telling him the story. I'm not sure if you remember, but you and I were talking after the premiere standing outside the Ace Theater. Um, and mm -hmm. that, and we were talking to Grace Zabriskie and Catherine Colson's yes. daughter walked over and said, my mom has something to tell you. Do you, do you remember that moment? Wow, you know that's amazing. I remember that was my head was spinning that night. Oh, it was a crazy moment. Yeah, the whole night was, was mingling with all the actors. I, I remember you're going to have to tell me because this is what I remember. I remember you yeah, sure. and and Grace Zabriskie standing there, and I remember Grace Zabriskie, and Josh, and I remember talking to her, and I said to her, "Hey, I used to do wrapped in plastic." She goes, "I've got a stack of those at home. I love wrapped huh. in plastic," and I oh, remember wow. that vividly. And you were there. And now that you mention this, it's coming back to me. But oh, I mean, so many things happened that night. Tell me, remind me again. So the two things that I Tell flipped out over, yeah. So the two things that I flipped over mm -hmm. at that moment were when we were having that conversation. First, we see the killer Bob. Have you seen this man? You know, uh, uh, like wanted poster. poster. You know, and and I yeah. and, and Grace didn't remember that she, that it was her vision. You know, and we got to recount to mm -hmm. her. And then we got mm -hmm. uh, Harry Goes, he came over and we were like, he drew this from your description. And we got to like, and she was like, yep, I, 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 I believe you. She's like, I just forget the scene. And, and it was, and then we took a picture over, uh, over with the poster. And then right after that, uh, I believe her name is Zoe, uh, Catherine Colson's, you know, log lady's daughter walked over and we're all talking and she just comes into the middle and she says, she takes Grace's hands and says, my mom has something to tell you, you know, evoking my log has something mm -hmm. to tell you. And she gave her like, and I don't remember because it was like, what, like you just said, I was spinning, you know? 
Yeah. But she gave her, she delivered a message from her, you know, very, very, very recently passed away mother yeah. and who, who was her great, great friend. And that was just, oh man, what a, yeah, what a know, night I, that was, I, right? I honestly, uh, Catherine Colton, Catherine Colton, you know, I, uh, what a great person she was. She was the yeah. first person from the cast that we ever interviewed. Oh, and we wow. ended up interviewing her, I think about five times over the years. Cool. Um, and she uh, was just so friendly to us, so supportive of our magazine uh, and and so supportive of us as just as people. She wa she wanted to know about our families and how we were doing. She would ask about my kids when we when I would talk to her. She remembered, you know, um, I, I have an experience with her. I have a picture. I, I'd met her. Yeah, I, I don't know. I three or four times over the years and she was at a festival another one of the many festivals i saw her at and she said to me do you want to hold the log <laughs> i said oh i don't know if i want to you know i don't want to she goes no i insist i want you to hold it what? and so she oh handed God. it to me and and so i got a picture of me holding the log and you know she kept that log she you know she she took it very seriously and, and understood the importance of it to to fans and um the log wow that is in the show was something that she kept in her home and, and kept it safe. And I think she had it in an environmentally controlled place <laughs> yeah. so that it wouldn't dry out. And, um, she was just generous that way. She was just so, um, just such a pleasant and it's like, a, it's a, like, it's a relic. It's a holy object. Really, really appreciated the fan. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, that, it, that's a relic. That, that's it, a holy object, you know? Yes. Yes, indeed. Wow, I don't know what so cool. became of it. I'm sure the family is is um, keeping it safe and sound, or maybe they've given it to David Lynch. I don't know. I mean, her, her daughter was at the premiere, and her daughter seemed to really love the work. So I imagine if they're, you know, if it was kept in the family, uh, it would have mm -hmm. been protected, respected, and you know, it, it, it would have been loved. Sure, sure, um, absolutely. Tell me. So tell me about that night because um you know just whatever comes to mind i mean that was like the best scott and i were saying that, that was like the best night of our lives and that summer was like the best summer of our lives like like the best time of our lives just the whole four months the whole thing with everyone you know what was that like for you getting after all yeah. these years you know oh oh hell i mean well just to talk about the night which by yeah. the way i mean i i think it's the 19th and we're we're recording this on the 15th of may i don't know when you're going to put your podcast up but uh, we're five oh, days the away from the third the, anniversary okay of that, you know what i'll hold night. it we were there on 19th of may i'll do it and on that so night we, um, that'll be great okay. and and well, and sure. the anniversary of um, you and i meeting for the first time <laughs> yes that's right that's right um, and i remember that i do remember seeing you i remember so vividly yeah. when i came out of the theater you were you were there um <laughs> Um, so I, we knew the premiere was going to be on the 19th. A lot of the fans knew there was going to be this big Hollywood premiere. And, um, I, I never asked, you know, I never inquired anyone about going to it. I, I, I didn't want to impose and I didn't want to, you know, be that fan. I just thought, well, I mean, Hey, I'll see it when it comes out on the 21st. That's, that's fine with me. This is crazy. Um, you are, then, you are like beyond humble. Like you've always been like this since I've ever, for the first time I've ever uh, spoken well, to you. I mean, like, look, you uh, are just, very important this. in this. 
Uh, I, well, <laughs> thank you for saying that. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm just a fan who happened to be in the right place at the right time and was able to do this magazine and, and, and chronicle the show. I, and, and hopefully, um, keep it alive for, you, you can you know, say while, whatever but, you um, want to say, but you are <laughs> as responsible as anyone more than the oh. actors. You literally, it's like you financed the show. Because the show well. does not exist without no, really the third the third season. I'm saying we do not get the third season without you. Period. Period. Oh, uh, well, that's very kind of you. Really, it doesn't I, honestly, exist without I, you. I, my only response to that is is it, you know Mark Frost and David Lynch are the, the two men who made that happen. I mean, without yes, them, beyond I, beyond I, them I, writing the show and beyond David Nevins writing a check and Matthew Blank, you know, they would not have written that check. If not for you, David Lynch and Mark Frost would not have revisited the show and Showtime would not have written the check if not for. And I don't mean people like you. I mean, I don't mean the whole collective. I mean, literally, if your magazine, if you did not decide to do that, you and Craig did not decide to do that and did not put 13 years and one million words in the show. Season three does not exist. You don't have to agree. I don't care. Again, it's very, <laughs> it's very kind of you to say, and I, I mean, I don't know how to respond to that other than to say that I, uh, you know, I, uh, again, I'm just, I see myself as just a fan who uh, had a passion for this show and wanted to celebrate it over the years. So, um, okay, so you know, the premiere is coming uh, up. You weren't going to ask, but then... so, yeah. And so I, I know the premiere is coming up and then um, one night, uh, I remember this, I mean, this is seared in my mind. I, Check my email, sat down at my computer where I'm sitting right now, and uh, there's an email from Mark Frost. And it says, John, I, you got to keep this quiet. You can't tell anybody, but I think I can get you one ticket to the premiere. Uh, I'm honestly, I mean, I think I almost fainted. Yeah, <laughs> you know, wow, what, I, a, what a moment. <laughs> I, spent, I spent so many years talking to the actors and studying the show and writing about it and it was a big part of my life and to have this opportunity now to go out to Los Angeles and to attend the premiere with everyone who was in the show and all the new actors who were in the show. And then after that, to go to the after party and, and visit with them all and, and just, you know, have that, that experience. I, it was, it was truly a dream come true for, for someone who, was so in love with the show and so yeah i mean i i i had i got one ticket i had one ticket and so yeah. i flew out the night before and stayed at the ace hotel and stayed put at the oh, ace wow. hotel wasn't gonna leave cool. and um and yeah uh went to that premiere uh, um which was just um just an amazing experience to watch the first two hours after 25 years of not having any twin peaks to see it again on the screen uh kyle mclaughlin was sitting two seats in front of me um and wow. i watched him <laughs> as we were watching it and afterwards he stood up and everyone came around and congratulated him i was standing right there and then the, i stayed in the theater and um most of the people kind of filtered out and mark frost got up he was sitting I don't know, 10 rows in front of me and he got up and he turned around and he saw me and he said, John, what'd you think? I said, <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I don't have words. I said, it's just astounding. Yeah, you... I'm just amazed. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And he, I'll never forget this. He says, it just takes off from here. And uh -huh. so, um, so that cool. was just an amazing, I mean, I had Mark Frost turn around and ask me, well, what did you think? <laughs> you know? So that was great. And, um, 
And then in the, I think the, maybe the next person I met was you. I walked outside, and there you were. Oh, wow. What an honor. Kyle, uh, yeah, Mark, um, Sean. I don't know. If you, you must have missed. Yeah, right. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> did you see Mark Frost and, and, and I did not. Kyle McLaughlin come out? Maybe they went out a different maybe they I went met out a different Kyle way. McLaughlin later, and I got a picture with him. And mm. we had – I've since okay, met cool. him a few times. So I've gotten my Kyle McLaughlin yeah. box checked in, in life. But I did get a second right. with him at the party. But Mark Frost, I don't think I, I saw with my two eyes. I, I don't remember. If I saw him, it would have yeah, been yeah. you know from across the room. But I didn't get a moment with him at all. Yeah, I mean, he. I don't think he stayed a long time at the party, but um, right. he was there. Um, you know, and then uh, you know, I didn't know. I mean, I knew I recognized all the actors from the original show and was able to to go and talk to them there again. There were so many people that we hadn't the yet first... seen in the show. You know, oh. <laughs> so many new actors and we didn't uh, know well, what they were going to be thing. doing. I knew there were right. There were a lot of actors who I knew were in the show, but I didn't know what they were, and they couldn't say anything. They couldn't say this is what I'm going right. to be or look for me. So I, I knew that, um, um, I knew that that wasn't going to happen, but, um, George Griffith, who played, uh, Ray Monroe, we had seen him yeah, in the original part, two, yeah. first two hours. Right. And he, he, he knew what wrapped in plastic was, and he was a fan. He's and a huge he, fan. He came talk. He was a huge fan of, of, of Twin Peaks and, and knew yeah, what wrapped in plastic was and talked exactly. And he, he talked to me like. Like he was a fan of the magazine, which was just amazing because here, here he was just in the show. Um, so I got to visit with him, and I got to visit with, uh, Matthew Lillard was was great, uh, who played Bill Hastings, yeah. the you know, and, and the high school principal who who is is sort of framed for the murder. And I got to talk to him and and chat with him. Um, and then there were some other actors that I talked with. I knew that I didn't know what they were going to be in, and. Um, and then a lot of the actors, Dana Ashbrook and James Marshall and Cheryl Lee and Machen Amick. And I got to just visit with them and, and watching them celebrate this moment and how much fun they were having yeah. to be back in this world and, and to have this attention to, to them again. Um, oh, that was just an amazing, amazing night. I'll never forget it. I, I like, no, we can go into so much detail over that night. But there's no way for us to really encapsulate what the experience was like. It was a lifetime coming. And for all these people, what was so, what was so beautiful to me about the night was that, you know, there's a lot of things where it's like, it's cool to be there. It's cool to witness something. It, you know, you feel special. You, you celebrate something. But like every single person in that room there was such a diversity of experience of uh, and perspective of why this is special and to every single person in the room for a huge amount of reasons every, this was the most this was the most special night of their life so we were just amongst like peak appreciation you know <laughs> just everyone for all the different reasons they walked in that room they walked in with so much love and I've never, I've never experienced anything like it. Yeah. I you know, what else was great is that, um, they didn't just invite the actors. Yeah. They invited to the show to, they invite, I was talking and when we were at the, um, um, I forget what the name of the place was where the after Clifton's party cafeteria. was, we were there. Um, Clifton's, yeah. that's it. And I was up at the bar and there was this guy there, just an older guy. 
And I just said, hey, how you doing? You know, are you part of this? He goes, yeah, I did some of the set work on location. I just built the, you know, I built this and I built that. He was just, he was just one of the crew. And yeah. I chatted with him for a while talking about being on location because I worked on Firewalk with me too. I was there. And I was like, what? It's really a family. Wow. They brought so many of the creative behind the scenes people back and they made sure that yes. they celebrated them too. They didn't ignore them or forget them. They were at the party. They were at the show. <laughs> they were having a great time. So that was really neat. That's what I mean. Like I, I've never, I've been to, you know, I've worked on films and I've been to after I've been, I've been to premieres. I've been to parties like that. It's, it's a, there's nothing like this one where, you know, people can be on, it, it can be like a long shoot or a TV season, you know, and everyone, and, and same, you can get the same thing with like everyone got invited. Like, it's not the only time that they've really appreciated, you know, the whole, um, the whole ecosystem, but it's, you know, ev it's kind of a thing that you go to. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, you, you don't like you go and then you leave and, and you're, you know, you go and you you have dinner after or whatever. Like it's, it's not a big deal. It's not, it doesn't, it, it's, it's just, it's not important, but this was, was like a life moment and for everyone there and everyone was just, was just floating. It was so cool. And then that continued all summer. Yeah, it sure did. Yeah. And that was an amazing summer. And, um, I, you know, I'm very, very happy that, um, whoever made the decision to put the show out on weekly installments, um, you know, made that decision because, Oh my God, what if we um, had it all at once to have? Yeah. I mean, that really would have been a, actually an awful experience. I think yeah. to have 18 hours. You know, and I was, I was, you know, early on when we first heard it was coming back, I assumed it was going to dump. Um, that was the, you know, when I say that, I mean, all episodes were going to hit right, one right. night and that, that was the model that so many, um, shows were were kind of following it was sort of the new thing is to put all your episodes out at once and you know on netflix uh and on hulu hulu was around at the time i don't even remember in 2017 but but you know i thought that's what what might happen and then um was really really happy that it was not that way because the time and, – and I'm going to steal Scott's quote, Scott Ryan's quote. He may have said this to you, but it's a fantastic quote, and all credit to Scott. He said, Twin Peaks happens between episodes. Mm -hmm. And what he means is is you watch it, and then you think about it, and you talk about it, and you get online, and you chat about it, and um, you contemplate. You watch it again, and you you know take more out of it. And it's that time of processing between episodes that's the just – it's an experience that um, is really unlike any other. And we had four months of that from May yeah. to, you know, the very end of August, the first weekend of September, we, we had this, we had this fantastic experience week to week to, to absorb this and process it. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't think new audiences will have that unless they discipline themselves and force themselves to watch it week to week. Well, what you can't uh, replicate is you can't replicate the interaction. And every week, so th true. this for me wasn't just watching it and then walking around and living with it for six days until the new episode. I had a programmed life for four months, mm -hmm. and it was Twin mm -hmm. Peaks, and it was 
24 seven Twin Peaks. I had to listen to, you know, uh, Darren Franich and, sure. uh, you know, uh, uh, the other guy's name, I forget. Jeff, the- <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, or, the uh, Entertainment uh, Weekly. Uh, Those guys, the Red Room podcast, uh, you know, Jeff Jensen, Jeff Jensen, Jeff and Darren Jensen, Franich. Right. Yeah. Um, Sparkwood in 21. Uh, you know, I can rattle off. I, I still have like all of them saved. Like there's, there's, 20 podcasts a week that I would listen to. There's all the writing mm-hmm. and I would do some, I, I started writing for, you know, 25 years later.com. Um, yeah, sure. there's yeah. a million of them. And I would, I got involved. Like I consumed all of it. And I was, you know, you and I, we'd be on Twitter during the episodes, after the episodes, and you would post a, a theory. And then like five of us would be going back and forth. And there would be these yeah. like, levels to the twin peaks sort of uh universe where there would be like the known people like like i i, I at one point like during this summer I, I got to that i was never you know not not on your level you are like the authority but like when you tweet something everyone responds but i was like one of the i was like a worthwhile you know uh sure of course. i was in the conversation you know so so we would go back and forth and we'd theorize and there were like there were people watching and then once in a while someone would chime in from like, you know, from the peanut gallery and go, Oh, actually that's a good, you know, and then now they're in and now there's a new member. And it's like, it was so cool. And I I would host screenings. Uh, There was a theater and I think I actually talked to you about it. I think I tried to get you to come out to one and uh, like on Sunday nights, I would get, Cine family on uh, on Fairfax to 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 shut down or I mean to stay open mm. after their last showing and I would have I would host like I'd get like a you know like a liquor company to like you know buy rounds of beers or something and I'd get like you know I think we would have like 100 200 people show up and watch Twin Peaks on Sunday nights and we'd do like the last episode yeah. and the new episode and that doesn't exist that no one does that, you know, no, that, that, that kind of interaction does not happen for anything, not since, and I never did it before. Well, I, I, I would say this, um, I agree with you, of course, we're never going to be able to recreate that summer because we had, you know, something new coming every week. We didn't know what to expect. Um, yeah. we, you know, we, we were, we were anticipating it and, and then we'd have it and we'd process it and, and then wait another week. That experience was unique and wonderful and, um, and won't come again, but, but, you know, it's funny because I, I don't think for some of us, there's probably a very small minority, but it's still there. I don't think it's gone away. I mean, I still personally, I'm, I'm thinking about it every day. I'm, I'm writing about it every day, pretty much. I'm trying to put together a, a new book if I can on season oh, three. Oh, for the for someone to read, you know, to enter from scratch, they're not going to be able to get the same, the same. I, I, I totally agree. It's true. But I do think that the the show itself, I do think that. Yeah. I think the show still resonates and still has that ability to draw you in and, and, and keep you talking. Um, Even though obviously we don't have that same, that same summer of 2017 vibe. No no one needs us to enjoy Twin Peaks. I just meant that we got to enjoy Twin Peaks and we got to enjoy each other. It was like two separate things at once. Uh, No, Um, yeah, I was great. Originally by myself in, you know, my parents' basement when I was a kid, you know, and I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the most invigorating experiences of my life. So that is still a thing. Um, No one needs anything for that we just also got each other and that was for me 
changed my life. You know, it was, it was huge. It was cool. It really was. I totally agree with you. I, I, it was, um, it really, it's, you know, that, that in itself could be the topic of a book, not so much the, the content of the Twin Peaks, but the idea of that social experience and interaction and, um, you know, that, that, that came from a show like that. And, you know, we were lucky we had 18 episodes. You know, you look at a show that comes on as good as Watchmen was when it came on HBO back in, in the fall of 2019, it was only nine episodes long, which only, and it's nine weeks, but, um, that was only half the time of Twin Peaks. And, um, you know, it got people involved and people were talking about it and there were podcasts, like you say, perhaps not the same level of devotion and experience, but still something that resonated, but it was over so quickly. It was over. And then the holidays, you know, it was Christmas and everyone kind of sort of moved on. Um, I think that happens with shows that are on. I think there's, I mean, you know, Better Call Saul, people get involved and they get on Twitter and they talk about it and all that. But, but 18 hours of Twin Peaks over four months, that's, I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. Will a show come on again that will be that, you know, many hours and that much devotion and that big of a, of a cultural uh, impact? I don't know. I don't, I can't see it. Yeah. I and mean, there's some, I love better call Saul. I'm lukewarm on Watchmen, but I do love better call Saul. I sure, you know, better call Saul, breaking bad, whatever, like amazing shows. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to talk about them though, but twin peaks, you know, it's just different. Mm-hmm. There's something else. There's a je ne sais quoi to twin peaks that compels me to, to want to, you know, I, 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 this is not a, my podcast right now is not about twin peaks. Mm-hmm but I am making it about Twin mm. Peaks because it's a compelling topic. And <laughs> sure. I love sharing it with people. I, you know, so the, the, the impetus, as, as you said, that the, the, the fandom could be a book in itself. That's kind of what I'm doing here, honestly. Like mm-hmm. I had Scott on, you, um, I have a, a man or, or a couple, Bob and Laura Antone, were, uh, I recorded them yesterday. They're locals and Bob mm-hmm. was around for the original. He was an Eraserhead fan, so he was aware of it coming in. And he watched right. filming of the original all the way, and he lives there now. And he, you know, you can go on a tour with him if you want. Um, he, sure. he knows everything, yeah. and he's and I, and I had the pleasure of visiting with him and uh, you know the Reapers and stuff. And I was talking to him about the the years of of, of fan engagement, and you know, so for me, like I'm not. Uh, I mean, we've been talking now for, for however long and like, I'm not asking you questions about like, you know, the symbolism of things and stuff. Like I'd rather people just read those articles, you know, but for us to talk about and for people to hear our voices, I think that the most compelling draw that's most relatable is to like, to tell us, to explain to someone like how we know each other, you know, like, like this is how we know each other. We're not like, you know, scholars here and, you know, to, to, to criticize and articulate theory and stuff like that. What's most exciting and, and share worthy to me about this is the, the love and the connectivity that came about the, 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 the undying, the unending, like you said, like, you're still writing about it. You're still thinking about books and stuff like that. Like I, this is episode like, like 10. And, and I've had three about Twin Peaks. Like, right. sure. I care about it that much. It's that relevant to me. It's like a pillar of my personality, of my life. And on, so, there's so many areas we haven't come close to touching on and, and could never. Um, 
it, it just, just, I think like the most dynamic is the offering that this community provides that, that it's not just a bunch of nerds, a bunch of obsessives and stuff. There's something different about the Twin Peaks community, I think. Then no, I think that's true. Right. Comic Con, it's not like Marvel, it's something yeah. else, you know? Right. No, and, and in fact, Catherine Coulson made that comment um, oh, years cool. and years ago. She said there's something about the Twin Peaks, you know, fan uh, following that's unlike any other there. I think she was, you know, she said they're, they're smarter than anybody, <laughs> smarter than anybody it's else. Which was people like, who are not really... typical fans also. There's a, there's a fan. There's an archetype of a person who's just, who's a fan of things, you know? And you know that person and, and like they just love to be a fan of things. Of shows, they're they they're a Watchmen fan, mm -hmm. and they're also a you know a Westworld fan, and they're they're just like they're obsessive mm -hmm. about things like that, and they love that. I don't like when I talk to Scott, for example, like we're not talking about other shows. We don't care. I don't follow. Yeah. I don't obsessively follow TV shows. I don't give a shit. You know, I love Breaking Bad and and Better Call Saul. I think Fargo's a masterpiece. I love True Detective. I love mm -hmm. I love a lot of shows, but I don't yo, yo like if we're like having dinner, I don't want to talk about a television show. Yet, yeah, we could talk about Twin Peaks all night. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you hit on something is that it's not really, it's not really accurate to call Twin Peaks just a television show. And I know yeah. there's all this debate over is it a film or is it a television show? None of that matters. Um, sure. It is a work of art, and it yeah. is a work of art that draws people. Some people are not. It doesn't work for some people, and that's fine. But oh, it is, it is, it is its own unique thing that those people who connect with it connect with it in a way that they don't necessarily connect with other just as you say television shows as good as they may be as good as better call saul is and it is fantastic um people connect with twin peaks i think in a different way it's almost like in a subconscious way it mm -hmm. is it is a work that that gets you thinking about yourself it gets you thinking about um, the world, the universe, you know, how you perceive reality and, and all that sounds kind of um, uh, ethereal and new age-ish and, and, and almost quasi-religious. But, but it's I, 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 think, I think any great work of art, um, it can be on TV and it can be a painting in a museum and it can be a film or it can be certainly a great book. Those are works that um, you learn about yourself when you're experiencing them. Yeah. As much as you are, you know, watching a show or, or, or seeing a movie, you learn about yourself. And when you go back to it, whether it's maybe the next week or it could be years later, you go back to it. It's just as compelling, perhaps, but it's maybe okay. it opens up something new. You, you weren't ready for it the first time or you've grown in a way that, you you know, you've changed over the years and or, you know, it can be months and you you have some new perspective you're bringing to it and suddenly something new opens up and that's a rarity. That's a great, great work of art that does that to connect well, constantly with you in new ways. There's two things that can happen there. Say again, not, sorry. There's two parts of that. It's yeah. not just that you can, something can reveal itself, but you know, you're a few years older, you've had a few other experiences. Now all of a sudden your context changes and you're looking at it from a different angle. I, uh, I left, I'm from New York City, and I left New York City in 2014, really, for the first time I went to college in Boston, but really, I was basically living in New York my whole life, and then I uh, came back in, you know, after Twin Peaks, actually, funny enough, that was when uh, I really, for the first time, came back, uh, so, you know, end of 2017, and people ask me, what's changed, what's it like to be back, blah, 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 
And I said, I was like, you know, I don't know. Cause I've never been here before. Like the guy who I am today, the steps that I'm walking right now, I've never walked these steps before. I was in a different place because the place changes and I changed. And those two variables, you know, like so Twin Peaks changes and you change and and you're watching it fresh for the first time. You know, you watch every, every single time. It's something else and it's applicable. It's so rich that that works. Most most stuff is too is too shallow. Most work. It's very hard to make a film, to, an artwork to fill that and Twin Peaks does and it's powerful in that way. Absolutely. It really is. And I think that, that, you know, we're talking about fans and we're talking about the community and we're talking about interaction with one another. And, and, and it's almost impossible really to put it into words. It's, it is some subtle thing that happens. And when you're around other fans who are enthusiastic and who've been moved by it, you, you sense that. And, um, people want to share they want to share their their own thoughts and how it impacted them and what it means to them um and uh, so, yeah it, it it's a great thing and i'm i'm just very happy that it's something that came into my life because um i certainly without a doubt it's made my life for the better hell yeah so go back to that moment that you described earlier if you will, where right after credits rolled and Mark Frost asked you what you thought, because I remember actually how I felt and I'm interested in, in, you know, I know what you said, but how did you feel? I, I think I can, I can uh, fill in that like you, you consider it a masterpiece at this point. What did you feel at that moment? And then when, you know, did the thing start to make sense to you as new episodes started to air? Like when you, when you spoke to Mark Frost, what were you truly feeling at that? You know, there's no reason to, to like, like, obviously you love it now. So what'd you think? What'd you feel at that moment?
Wow. Uh, what did I feel at that moment? I mean, you know, what I said to him, I don't have words. It really was true because I didn't, I, I it was too much to, I mean, it was, it had just ended. And um, I, it seemed like it passed in the blink of an eye. It, it went by, it was hard to believe that two hours had passed so quickly. Um, I remember thinking just in terms of having studied the show for so long that I felt like um, it was connected to the original series pretty well. I mean, you know, those were some concerns. I think we all wondered how much of it were they going to, were they going to reboot it? Were they going to just, you know, throw us for a loop, which maybe they did later in the series. But at least at that point, it seemed like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is really where it, well, not where I expected it to, to start, but I mean, it, it made sense to me. Um, I was, I was, there were so many questions that I had too. I was just wondering, you know, who some of these new characters were and, and what, where it was going to go. I was, um, it was, uh, um, it was just a lot to take in. It really was a lot to take in. Um, I couldn't wait. I knew I was going to be able to watch it again in 48 hours. So I, I already was thinking about watching it again. Oh yeah, that was wild that like, I mean, I watched it so many times in a row. <laughs> I just kept rewatching it. I watched it probably five times before, you know, before the next, the next week. It was, oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and of course, Sunday night, we, you know, 48 hours later, they, they gave us, you know, two more hours. So it was four hours of Twin Peaks on that Sunday night, the 21st. And I'm, I remember staying up very late watching into the fourth yeah. hour and, and knowing that I, I was just, it was too much. It was like too much to process. And I knew I was going to have to watch it. You know, I was going to have to watch it a couple of times and watch it when I was more awake <laughs> to, to really try. Well, I mean, it's funny to say that because three years later, I'm still watching it and trying to make, you know, some, some things make sense that still are elusive, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, I think you know you know you you asked me that question. I think one of the frustrating things is kind of funny is that I had seen new Twin Peaks for the first time in so many years, twenty five years, and there was no way to see it again until Sunday night. Now, I know that was only forty eight hours, but i I you know all I could do was try to rack my brain about what you know trying to remember little details and talking to some of the people who had seen it as well, you know discussing what we had seen and what did it mean and there was no way to go back and look at it again we had to try you know had to remember what we had seen for me i felt I, it was a dream state you know i was bewildered i remember vividly the first the opening minutes i remember him talking about trees first you know he gave the he gave the speech um mm. Lynch. And then I remember when the credits, the camera, the overhead camera, just like sort of meandering and that mm -hmm. brooding. I, I think I bruised, I probably left a mark on my friend who was with me. Like I was just digging <laughs> like with my hand, I was just so tense and so excited. <laughs> you know? And I was just digging into her. I don't know if it was her arm or her leg, but I, I remember gripping her so tight. And I wasn't holding her hand. I was just gripping her. It was like we were taking off mm -hmm. on a plane. Mm 
And I, that didn't ease up, I think, until after, you know, the giant, the fireman finished his his code speech. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, there's a good there's a good seven minutes or something where it's just like it's just it's like one held breath. And then the next couple hours get, you know, they let us go a little bit and it's a little into the noir world. And I don't think that because so so words came out of my mouth eventually that this was the greatest thing to ever happen in moving images, period. Like I, I now say that <laughs> I didn't say it that night. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It was that hmm. I did. I lacked the faculties. I lacked the vocabulary at that moment to to distill and, and translate and articulate what we had just experienced. I don't think that there, you know, nothing like it had ever existed. You know, there's, there's abstract cinema and stuff like that, but the combination of the amount of the cinematic grammar that, that, that pilot, not pilot, that, that, you know, first couple episodes of season three um, exhibited combined with precedent of, you know, 26 years of Twin Peaks world that has never happened. And it took me until, so it was the third episode, you know, 10, 15 minutes into the third episode with the mauve room, whatever uh, we've, mm-hmm. we've called the fans, you know, uh, with the jittery camera work and the glitching and all of that yeah. and 15 and the nine. And uh, it wasn't until when, when, when that happened, that's when I was like, okay, this is the best thing ever. And that was, you know, so it had taken me two days and then seeing that, that scene. And then I was like, okay, this is the best thing ever. And I wasn't, but, oh yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You say that. I, I mean, I guess that's really interesting because I knew that um, after the first two hours that we were still, we still seemed as much as it was you know, great to, to see some of the characters again and to be back in the environment again and, and know that the story was picking up again. It did also seem like we had a, we had a long way to go and that we were just getting teased to some extent. And, um, uh, and, 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 and there was an uncertainty maybe that, I mean, we had these scenes in New York, you know, that, that, you know, what are these scenes? What do they have to do with twin peaks? And, um, and so there was, there was some new, there was some new information to process and I, I can remember I was very fortunate enough that I happened to be before we went into the theater, I was out in the lobby and I happened to be standing next to Damon Lindelof who, you know, created huh. lost and the leftovers and, and, and Watchmen. We were talking about that yeah. and he, he was there and I, I said hello to him and he had recognized me from this promotional thing. Showtime had put together that I was on and, and, uh, which was which was kind of neat, and we we were talking, and then so, I saw so him again afterwards. I saw him at the party. Another wait. Let me just like Go pause ahead. you. Sorry, not not to interrupt you. I apologize, but just like that's awesome. Like I remember that promo. So cool that you were a part of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was really uh, that was fun to be able to do that. That you know to go to New York and record that and and so be part cool. of their promotion. Um, but so anyway, all- at, at the party, uh, you know, we were at this party, um, after the show had ended and I saw Damon Lindelof again and he was with Jeff Jensen 
And uh, I guess at that time already they were working together on Watchmen, but it was a big secret at the time. And I walked up to them and I said, what did you think? And they were not, they were not overly enthused. Um, now, I think they were sort of taken aback a little bit and not sure what was going to happen. Um, I think uh, since then, certainly Damon Lindelof's gone on the record of saying it was just brilliant and he, he loved I it. I remember uh, documenting him himself on a family vacation in a hotel, watching it on an iPad in his bathroom to watch the. <laughs> I remember that post. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, it's funny. I actually was on a vacation that summer too, and had to watch it on an iPad. And uh, boy, that you know, that's not the way to watch uh, Twin there Peaks. One but... I watched in the front seat of an Uber. Like I had a long, <laughs> and it was the only time that I had, and it just like I put it on my laptop. I had a, uh, you know, a, a portable Wi-Fi, and I watched it with a portable Wi-Fi. I sat in the front seat so that no one could like you know be in my line of sight, and I put it on my lap in an Uber. I had like an hour long Uber. <laughs> that was how I watched one episode. Wow! Wow. <laughs> that yeah that yeah you know I mean it, that shows you you know just the lengths we'll go to and the devotion we have but also I mean it's it's you want to just get the details but then you got to go watch it again on a big screen um, because I watched it uh, over and over again yeah. oh right, my god right. so I think you know what you're saying about that first two hours um, I think there were I think other people I think other people were 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 you know, I mean, they were excited and it was, uh, it was returned to Twin Peaks and, you know, there was a lot of promise there, but at the same time, there may have been some, um, people who were, um, you know, just sort of uh, off balance a little, what, what, what is this? What's it going to be? It's, it, and so, I mean, that, that, that's to be expected though. I mean, I, that wasn't a surprise to me. So anyway, it was, yeah, that was just, wow. Okay, so here's a piece of you, news. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Well, I was just no. going to, one other thing, and I'll make it real short because I want to hear your news, but um, um, I did have one it's other good. experience that, so, I'm sorry, should I keep going? <laughs> sorry, maybe my microphone is bad. I was saying it's not good news, so so go long if you feel like it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good news. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, let me make this. I'm still going to make it short because I've actually told this story before. And if anybody's listening and heard me before, they're probably tired of hearing it. But I had another experience that summer, which was unique and special and not you know quite the same as seeing the premiere in L.A., but it really was um, a unique experience of watching Twin Peaks. And that is in, um, I think it was late July or early August of uh, 2017. I was up at the Twin Peaks Festival that was being held in Washington. And the Reavers invited me and a few other people to come to the house, the Palmer house, and watch episode 12 or part 12 of the return at their house. And I got to go sit in essentially Sarah Palmer's living room and watch Twin Peaks on that big TV that Sarah Palmer was watching uh, and uh, the, be in the, the house. The actual and it, TV. And it was, in fact, it was the, it was the, um, I think it's the actual TV. And it was that part um, is, has the scene in it where Hawk pulls up in front of the house. 
and he walks up the step and he knocks on the door and, and Sarah Palmer opens the door and talks to him. It was really the first time the house had been shown in the daytime and in you know, any length. Um, and uh, so that was just an amazing, truly amazing experience. So, so in a way, I had that premiere and then in, in, the, you know, in the middle of the summer, I had that other experience of watching Twin Peaks. Tell me about the house. Tell me about the Reavers and tell me about the house because you're actually the reason why I had this, the same privilege about, you know, whatever that was, like two months, a month or two later, I got to go to the house and you were the one who introduced me to, to Mary and Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, t- tell me about them and the house and everything. Oh, well, I had never been to the house in all the years. Uh, I had never gone even to the front of the house, you know, even back in 1993. I'm, people talked about it even then because they filmed Firewalk with me there. Hey, you should go see this, the Palmer house. Although everyone would say it's a long drive. It's a long drive. And I would think, well, I, I can't do that. And I never did. So in the, in that was the first time in the summer of 2017 was the very first time I'd ever visited the house. And, uh, um, Tim and Mary Reber were extremely, I had met them at the premiere, uh, when we were there in LA and I found out that Mary was in it. She couldn't tell me anything. She, you know, obviously was sworn to secrecy. She said, I, I have a small role in it. And even then when we were watching part 12, she couldn't tell us. So we didn't know, we knew she was in it, but we didn't know what she was going to do and, and what, where it was going to be. I, you know, it turns out to be one of the most important parts of the entire 18 oh hours, God. that final scene. But so, um, so they were, I mean, they were so pleasant, uh, when I visited them, uh, with them in LA and, and, and they were so generous. Uh, they, they invited a few of us to come out and we got to tour the house and go up the stairs and see the fan and see Laura's room and walk around. And, um, I could tell they were excited. They wanted to share some information not about her role or anything like that, but they wanted to share about what it was like to have the film crew in the house. And, and, um, and so, uh, you know, they, they, they talked a little bit, very careful because they too had signed a non-disclosure agreement and they, they were, they were really very uh, careful not to say too much, but they, you could tell they were excited about having had uh, them, the, the film and crew there and having, um, um, you know, the experience of the house on the show. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It was wonderful. And I, um, uh, I, uh, sat there and watched it and, um, uh, you know, that will never be repeated again either to be able to see some, some new twin peaks that I've never experienced before within, you know, one of the most important, uh, locations uh, of the entire story to be in that house while I'm watching it and to see the house actually depicted on the screen while I was in the house. Um, that was just really, really neat. It's incredible. Like that. I mean, I love those people so much, you know, and, and they're such wonderful. Uh, it's just awesome that it's them, that they, that they're the ones who have the space and that they're so welcoming and loving to the community. And they, you know, they received yeah. like a crazy, incredible reward by, you know, by that with that that scene in the end. We won't give major spoilers, but you know, they're in it, obviously. Right. Um, well, I mean, you know, and they're, they're it's great that they embraced it. So they they didn't have to. They could have said, "Look, yeah, you can use the house, but we want right. to be private." And um, and but instead, they embraced it, and um, 
you know, they welcome fans. Uh, I mean, everyone should know to respect their privacy and respect Mary's privacy in the house now. And, um, um, but, but uh, you know, I think they also went out of their way to be welcoming and, um, and they enjoyed it. They enjoyed the moment. And, and still, I think even now, uh, understand that it, uh, it's a special place. And, and so they, they have been very generous with their time and their space. So that's, we're, we're all lucky that, that, that they did that. So the, the news, uh, Bob just texted me. So, so, oh, by the way, Bob and Laura are the couple that I, I forgot to, to flag that their name, the, the, the local couple who I'm friends with, who, okay. uh, who I had on the show, their name, Bob and Laura, of course. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah, you, you. I will tell you, you're starting to ping and pong on me again. It's harder to hear you, but, but go ahead. Okay. I can kind of make, make you out. The la- the last thing, just um, so apparently they just canceled the uh, the UK Twin Peaks festival. Oh, yes. Not I, I for, heard that. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Oh, so you already knew? Yeah. Uh, so I guess I guess CBS is taking over all the festivals. Is that? What's happening? Yeah, I don't know what's ha- I don't know what exactly is happening. I um I will yeah I can at least say I've been to the UK Fest once. Uh, I was there in 2018. Um, it was a great festival, and um, I'm really happy that I got to go. They did a fantastic job. Um, um, uh, the you know the US festival has been great over the years, and all the different people over the years who have run it have done a great job. Uh, it's not an easy job. Um, and in the case of the U.S. and the U.K., I think it really came from a love for the show. And there was fans that were putting this on. And, um, I, you know, that's how it, Twin Peaks was for so many years. And, and now these fan-run festivals seem to be a thing of the past. And uh, whether there will be new Twin Peaks festivals, I don't even know. I assume there may be, uh, and if if they are, they'll be uh, officially run by CBS or Showtime or whoever you know officially owns the rights and conducts that kind of thing. But um, I, you know, until we see what those are like, if they even c- come to be, I, you know, it'll, you know, we'll, we won't know how well they compare to these fan-run festivals, but. It is it is kind of a sad thing because I think there was such a passion there among certainly um, you know Lindsay uh, in uh, the UK um, you know that that passion is you you can't just create that it it has to be there and it certainly showed through in the festival that she put together. There's been so many wonderful activations. I remember, you know, the Roadhouse in LA and stuff like that. There's been a lot of really cool things. It's such a beautiful community. Well, John, I, you are like, since since the first time I ever spoke to you, you're always so, so, so humble. But, you know, I, I just, I'm sure people have said it to you before, but I'll say it again. You know, your work has been so, so important to to this, to to. Twin Peaks to that whole world, but, but to me specifically, and, you know, I really, really greatly appreciate your passion and your, your analytical mind and your community gathering skills and, uh, your, your work is so important and, and, uh, it's an honor to, 
dive into it together. And I'm happy I know you. And thank you. Well, uh, that's very generous of you, and uh, I thank you for those kind words. Um, it, uh, certainly, uh, I, I love Twin Peaks and have for so many years, and certainly, like I mentioned to the, about the festival people, um, you know, just it, there's it, there's a passion, there's a love for it, and that's that's really uh, where it comes from. And uh, I'm I'm glad and grateful that maybe it it helped some people or some people enjoyed it out there and uh, made a difference. So thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and hopefully there'll be some, some cool twin peaks gathering somewhere or uh, we'll organize a trip back to the site, something like that. But uh, hopefully we'll all watch together again at some point soon. And yes, keep me posted yeah, if you, if you books or anything like that. I want to read them. I certainly will. Yeah. I mean, we'll see, we'll see what the future holds. And, um, as you say, hopefully there'll be some, you know, once we're past all of the crazy things in the world right now, maybe, uh, we'll be able to get together again and, and be a fan community again, because, uh, it is an important part of Twin Peaks. I hope so. All right, John, will you stay safe and, uh, and healthy and, and hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll be out back to normal soon. Same, same to you, Sean. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.